bi-weekly podcast featuring two black girls. So this week for episode six, our title um, is Networking and Why It Matters. And so we're just going to spend this time really talking about why it's so important to be well-rounded in any type of conversation that you have, especially those that we're having in the workplace, outside of the four walls of the workplace, with different professionals and colleagues that we have, and why it's important that you just get outside of yourself and your comfort zone. So just as a recap, um, the point and purpose of our podcast is to just share um, our very opinionated um, thoughts as 30-somethings, Black millennial professionals who are just in the workspace dealing with all the madness that comes with that as younger folks who are still trying to navigate what that looks like. As we continue to journey through our podcast, and we really want to focus on just the business aspects of that. And this is the part of the podcast where we share whatever business topic, pull from different lessons and tips um, that we've had in the workplace and random topics, our business culture, and anything in general as it relates to just being bosses as young millennials. So um, in the past, we've talked about commitment. We've talked about um, labels and titles and what it means to be a millennial. And so we're going to continue through that journey as we now start to shift into how do all of those things connect to the work that we're doing as we're trying to network and navigate um, in our spaces and our different sectors, like Nicole likes to call them. Um, So Nicole, so I see that the first thing that we have on our list to discuss today is just this idea of after five chatter. What do you think about after five chatter? You know, I'm an educator. So after five for us, it's like three o'clock. Hello, Sheryl. Um, So after the true five o'clock hour, not the theoretical five o'clock hour, um, I just think that, let me start by saying a blanket statement of you know, we go out with, we spend a lot of time with people we work with. And so when we go out and kind of put the day away and, and have this after five setting, it's important to not get too comfortable. Um, you're not always on an interview or always on display, but you also don't want some things to come back and bite you. So a lot of times when we get in an after five setting, especially if it's a bigger group and it's not like your best friend from work, it still tends to be kind of on the business side of things, but with a little bit of other topics mixed in. So, you know, you, you want to make sure that you're discussing things that can kind of stay somewhat general. Um, You know, you can discuss your day or, Maybe both of you are from the accounting department, so you want to talk about, you know, an issue that you had, or both of you are in the classroom, so you want to talk about, you know, what's going on with the students, but you don't want to get too comfortable in your topics. Um, So maybe leave your home life off the table or, you know, things like that. And when you are discussing things, you want to... um, maybe not be overly opinionated. So you you obviously don't want to touch on topics where you're clearly going to be right wing or get very angry very easily or um, drink too many drinks and get a little loose in your opinion. So some of the things I talk about after five, I mean, I don't know. I kind of talk about the day, kind of talk about 
what's going on in the world. I mean, the weather. Listen, world, it's been so long since I've had an after five setting at this point that hasn't been over Zoom that the last set of after five topics has been COVID-19. So I'm really thinking back here. I used to have a coworker who would always say she would actually get angry because um, she would always say, you never talk about religion. You never talk about politics and you never talk about um, something she used to say. I, I mean, I guess it, it it connected back to like sexuality and stuff like that. Um but but I forgot how she would label it. But she was just very clear about like, you do not talk about politics. You do not talk about religion. You do not talk about, you know, all things that would be considered like taboo, you know, which was interesting yeah. to me because, again, I'm an educator. Like, I feel like the rules, like being a professional as an educator is very different or it can be very different than it is for other folks who do work in like banks or fortune 500 companies or, you know, like all of these, I call them sterile jobs. So those of you who work in like these sterile careers, you know, like uh, what it means to be professional just looks and sounds differently. Um, and so for us, oftentimes the after five, which is really three chatter for us really does include a lot of the personal stuff. Like you are talking about your kids and you are talking about um, whatever Saturday program that you're like volunteering at or your church or what you did learn from church or how you are taking a mission trip, you know, like you mm -hmm. talk about things like that. Cause that's how you are building those bonds and building those connections with people. Um, and so I know, I know, thinking of my colleague, like she definitely struggled with, well, I don't know that she thought she struggled, but other people definitely struggled with like connecting with her because she was very like cut off when it came to a lot of things that people do care to talk about. So, so a lot of people didn't feel like they had relationships with her, which then affected their ability to work with her. Cause in education, it is a very relational, um, work environment like you do lean on people a lot it's very emotionally draining and taxing and so you need to know that you have those personal connections with people to be able to like make it through the day or deal with this difficult parent or whatever um I yeah. know personally that has also affected me because I am a person that compartmentalizes quite a bit so it took me a while to be okay with like being like because I would be real quick to be like we're not friends, so you don't need to know these things about me, you know, mm -hmm. but then those were like hard lessons that I had to learn because in education, it's all about who you know and who you like, you know, so if people feel like they don't know me or they don't like me or they don't have anybody who they like, who knows me and who likes me, then it could definitely uh, create a barrier when you are trying to progress um, in the work field because it's not always about what you're capable. Like I was a phenomenal teacher, but that didn't always matter if there weren't people who felt like they wanted to work with me because we were friends. Right. So I think that, um, let me clean up my, my opinion here because the investment <laughs> world is a very relational business as well. And, and to get a deal, I I've been a part of conversations where the actual business deal was nowhere in the conversation and yet it was a very successful closing and I had no idea how it happened. But I think that if you are one of those people who is not necessarily comfortable with talking about your personal life or going deep into your personal life, then you have to become a master at not necessarily creating a fake life, but touching 
high level or redirecting the conversation to where it's back on the person who is comfortable with talking about their life. So like for me, a lot of the people in my business are older. So obviously they already have kids, they're already married, um, or they're single, but they at least have children or they they're of a different income bracket. So they're taking all these elaborate vacations. So after five, you know, in the springtime, the discussion might consist of, oh, well, what are you guys going to do for spring break? Oh, we're going to Italy. Oh, we're going to Florida. Um, yeah, I'm not. So to avoid, you know, it's it's like, well, Nicole, where are you going now? I could pull out my little violin and go into the, you know, I'm not exactly of the same income bracket, so I won't be going to Belize. But... <laughs> To keep the conversation light and to keep things going smoothly, you just redirect it. Oh, I'm not quite sure yet, you know, but tell me more about Italy. What are you looking forward to when you get there? And then it it steers it back. And before you know it, the average person likes to talk about themselves or what they've got going on a lot. So if you can't delve deep into what you've got going on, or it's too personal, or it's not necessarily a rosy situation, then you have to become a master of redirecting so that the other person talks about what they've got going on, nodding up the head, asking a lot of questions, putting in little tidbits or another method that I, that I use is I can pull from, um, some experiences. So, you know, I haven't decided what I'm doing for spring break yet, but my friend said she was going to Paris. So I'm really curious as to how that'll turn out for her. And then that might open up a whole conversation about, Oh, I've been to Paris before and you know, X, Y, and Z. So it just, it gives that appearance of being relational. So it takes you know, Sherelle's point of you do still become someone likable and someone that's easy to work with and someone that they can have a conversation with without necessarily giving up a bunch of your life details. That's actually very smart. We should have had this conversation a long time ago when I was trying to navigate this. Um, because that is because you're you're right. You know, like people do like to talk about themselves. And as long as you appear to be listening and interested, then they'll keep going. You know, I think one of my, um, one of my old friends, actually, she used to do this very well. Like she used to ask you all types of questions about yourself and make you really feel like she was interested. And, but a lot of that though, was because like, she was wanting to, like, she would always do this while she was eating. She didn't want to stop eating and talk. So she would ask you all kinds of questions about yourself so that she could focus on her food. But like, the point of this is the, the point of me bringing that up is um, it worked every single time. It didn't matter who it was. She always had some type of follow-up question and it was follow-up question enough to where you knew that she was listening enough, you know, and so mm-hmm. you didn't feel um, uncomfortable, like continuing to go through with the conversation and all of that, because you felt like she was genuinely interested in what you were talking about. Now, after the conversation, maybe she remembered, maybe she didn't, but in the meantime, she was like super invested or appeared to be super invested in what you were saying so that Mm -hmm. you would continue to keep talking. That's a good point. Yeah. It's a, it's a good trick. It's a good trick to use. Um, and I think that the only time you get really taken unaware is if a, you're not listening because it does require you to listen for your, for your key points and where you can switch the topics or where you can chime in. Um, I think if you just, 
you do you do have those moments where you're put on the spot though so you know in the spring break example it would be you know you're talking about their spring break and then you get the question of well where are you going and you have to be ready so it requires I don't want to say practiced answers but it requires that you kind of think quickly on your feet or maybe you just take a sip of your drink to give yourself time to think of a proper answer um but if you find yourself in after five discussions where the topics are consistently making you uncomfortable, then you just have to put yourself in a position where you can learn to lead a conversation and to lead on a topic. Um, it's usually easier to do the more people you have because more people will be speaking and more time will go by versus just two people where the tension is strictly on you. But learning how to take a lead role in a conversation is is kind of important too. So I feel like as someone in the business, anytime you are working day to day or you are interacting with people, always in the back of your mind have, you know, some type of other interest or some type of set of questions. So taking Sherelle being in the in, in the education world. So when she was in the classroom, maybe she always had, you know, a, a practice question for, you know, if she were talking to a principal, what's it like in the administrative office or what's it like in, in math class since I teach English or, you know, me being in the business world? Well, what's it like on the banking side? What's the what's the average day look like for you or what what how did that meeting go? So just being able to have different questions that will lead into something totally different is kind of good, too. It, it prevents you from being caught completely unaware and just looking like a an oaf in the middle of the conversation. So my question about all of that is because I think, you know, I've shared before that I'm an introvert and um, things like, you know, these types of conversations just aren't fun for me, for me, they're work. And so my question that I'm always kind of going back to in my head is like, how do I get, or I guess I have a few questions, of course. So like, how do I get invited to this after five chatter experience. Okay. Cause like bottom line is unless you are this like social butterfly, who's always initiating things and everybody wants to hang out with you, you have to find your way into the situation. Okay. So how do I get invited to this after five situation that we're having? First of all. And then secondly, when I am there, what is the point? Am I there to try to make friendships? Am I there to try to get some intel? Am I there just to literally drink and I don't want to drink alone at my house? You know, like, how do we determine when this is the time? Because sometimes, especially like if you've had a really bad day or a really long day, or maybe you've had a really long week, you're just not in the mood to like deal with people, introvert, extrovert, it doesn't matter, right? Like sometimes you just don't want to be bothered. So like, but what if that's the one time that you need to be there because, you know, these other things may come out of that situation? Like, how do you navigate and decide, is this the time I have to make this personal sacrifice and I have to go even though I'm tired? Or is this a time where I can, like, prioritize myself and just be like, whatever, these are my friends anyway. Like, I don't even want to hang out with y'all. I'm, I'm sleepy. Like, how how would you suggest people navigate all of those things that I just brought up? Because that's a, like... That busyness is what's constantly rattling in my mind as I'm thinking about what am I going to do after work today? So I think that 
So believe it or not, even though I'm able to speak on this, I am actually one of those type people that when I get off work, I like to get in my car and go home. I already know what pajamas I'm going to put on, which wine I'm going to pour and how soon I'm going to be asleep. So things like (laughs) what's happening after five o'clock do stress. It'll stress my whole day because I actually do not like making these appearances very often. And in my business, they tend to go very, very late. There's like always an after party to the party. And so number one, you have to have a poker face. So it's like, you have to suck it up and do this because these opportunities don't come around a lot. And you, you want to maintain a relational presence in whatever business you're in. So networking is important across the board. I mean, they start teaching us that in high school. So it's important, especially if you're young, building yourself in the business to get around people, to get in front of people, because you never know when you have to tap back on their knowledge or if you're in, especially if you're in any type of commission business or service related business or business where you have to touch people and you you need that person to know somebody to know somebody. Um, Fortunately for you and I, it's not that critical for us, but one trick I have for getting in new circles or getting getting that invite is what committee are you on? You know, what group are you a part of? What um, what circle are you in? For me, I sit on a couple of boards. So that forces, you know, if, if nothing else, I know I have four instances in a year where I have to be out at five o'clock. Why? Because I have a board meeting. So that creates that scenario where I have to be in front of new faces and I have to to think outside of what's going on in my office and be relational with these people because I don't always want to be the new girl or the stranger every time we have a board meeting and I'm sitting around the same set of people. Um, It's uncomfortable. And when I leave, I could care less about what they're doing for the next three months. And I'll have to put the same poker face on at the next board meeting. But it prevents that initial shock of, I don't know anybody. I don't know what I'm going to say. Here we go again each time, you know? And so the other thing is, so in, in my business, obviously everybody's not in the same department. So there's times when the portfolio managers will go out together or there's times when the salespeople will go out together. And so one of the things that I tend to do is also kind of make my rounds in the office during work time so that, you know, I don't have to be friends with everybody, but at least if if there's some type of understanding of what you do or there's some type of good morning or something in an event where the whole team is out celebrating or the whole team is out for an offsite meeting or something, I'm not, oh, that girl in the cubicle in the back that we don't really know. And so those are two kind of tricks that I have. And as far as like not wanting to be out, It all depends on where you want to take your career. I mean, I can't think of one business where you can't, you don't have to be relational. So now it depends on the type of person you are, where you want to take your career and how far you want to take it. And when somebody maybe in like your case, Cheryl, you move every two years. So maybe it's not as important for you to be, you know, in the face of or going out because, you know, in two years, you could move and it's onto a new set of people and being the, having the personality that you have, it's not been detrimental to your career. But if you're somebody who wants to stay rooted or who's, who's building roots or who's in a career where, you know, 20 to 30 years is the typical span for someone like me, then you can't afford to be the new girl five years later. So 
it's just a matter of, am I willing to sacrifice my career to go home and maintain my introvert schedule? Or do I want to put my big girl panties on and make this appearance? And a lot of times, you know, the third trick of the trade is, um, so you just stay for a little while. Maybe, maybe those one or two times you just become that person that's making an appearance. You know, you have, you, you make your rounds, say hello to people, have one or two drinks and you leave. Believe it or not, that's somewhat acceptable. You don't have to be the one to pop the first champagne bottle and the one to blow the candle out to shut it down. You know, a lot of people think that when you go to after five, you've got to be there till the end. Well, you know, it's not a birthday party. You don't have to be there until the cake comes out and it's sliced. You can go in you know, make your appearances, especially if you have that type of life where you have an excuse that can pull you away. Oh, I got to go tuck the kids in. Oh, hubby's going to be looking for me. You know, I've got an early day tomorrow. You just, you, you morph yourself into what works for your scenario and your group of people. But I will say for people like you, for people like me, what we can't afford to do is never be seen, never show up, never speak. Um, It just creates detriment for your career up the road, I think. Yeah, I agree. I think ultimately I have to, um, what I've learned, because I used to say no all the time and I would only hang out with, Um, especially when I was a teacher, I was really bad at this when I was a teacher because there were, let's see, Broadhead, Karimi, and then like there was this other guy who used to like me. So there were like three of us. We were like legit friends. So we would like hang out, you know, like on weekends and party and do all this other stuff. Um, But anytime anybody else would ask me to hang out, I was just too tired. No, I don't have time. And it wasn't that I was tired. I would like literally go because there were these happy hours. They used to have like these teacher happy hour spots where like happy hour started at three because I knew we were out of school, you know. So I would go to happy hour. I would just go by myself because I didn't want to like interact with them, especially since it's difficult to be an introvert and be a teacher because I would have a hundred kids in front of me, 150 kids in front of me every single day. So I'm already drained. Not only am I managing all of these people, literally human beings who are in my classroom throughout the day, but I'm managing all these human beings who are also going through puberty and they're teenagers. So like, add on top of the fact that they probably presented three or four different personalities in the time span that they were sitting in my classroom, each person, you know, so at this point, by the time the day is over, like I've dealt with thousands of people at this point. So I just want to be (laughs) by myself. So I didn't want to be around people, but I had to realize um, I was definitely closing myself off and that was not what I wanted in game wise. So I had to start to, to, compartmentalize in my head how many of these are you know after hour things that I need to engage in because it really will help me progress the way that I want to it really will help me get into um like or get to know some of my coworkers better um and I will and it will benefit me professionally and it will benefit like my sanity while I'm at school and then what are those times when I just know that I'm going to be a grumpy cat because if I'm going to be a grumpy cat then there's no point in me being there anyway so do I have enough energy to at least be like a pleasant human being and if I do will this help me advance in whatever I'm trying to advance in and if it does then yes I'll go you know you know how you have like those those questionnaires where it's like, if this is, if yes is the answer, go here. If no is the answer, go do this. You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like I I used to have to do that in my head because like ultimately 
no one wants to no one wants to be around a grumpy cat. No one wants to be around a negative Nancy, um, especially if you're not friends in real life. People's tolerance for negative Nancy's are much lower when you're when you're not even friends. Um, so I had to first make sure yeah. I could like manage my personal emotions enough to be able to even try to maximize from any type of situation. Uh, yeah. Well, I think too, it's important to note that, you know, we're talking about like the energy to, to even get to the conversation. So let's say you're that person who you can't wait to get to the after five spot and you're an extrovert and you totally prepared and you get there and you're in this new type setting. So some of the learning points for after five conversations or, um, more comfortable business settings is, you know, one thing that uh, one of my mentors told me was you just, you have to find a way to relate to each person you talk to. So let's say you're fully prepared, but you have no idea what to say to this person. Like they're from a totally different background. They're from a totally different sector. You walk up, hi, my name is, and you've got nothing after that. So you you want to think about things that you genuinely have an interest in. So like, I feel like it made it easy for my mentor. He can literally talk to anyone because he just, he does everything. He plays golf. He likes sports. He has kids. He's been married for a while. He had an engineering degree. So he can just meet people on all these different levels. So I feel like my, my advice to, us millennials in the workforce is make yourself known to more than just the typical stuff. So like one interesting fun fact about Sherelle, she likes whiskey. Okay. So if she has nothing else to talk about when she gets to the bar and she sees that this other person is drinking a brown liquid, she can have a conversation about whiskey, the different types of whiskeys, whether they've been to like different whiskey tours. And there you go. There's a building point. For me, I like sports. Now, if Sherelle and I were in the same room and we didn't know each other, I obviously can talk to her about sports. And she obviously can talk to me about whiskey because we just don't mix. <laughs> but that's not entirely true. But I can talk sports. I just don't want to. <laughs> okay well there you go so so you know if you find yourself drawing a blank just think about some of the fun facts of yourself and you'll find that you're actually a more interesting person or that you have more to talk about with a complete stranger than you think um worst case scenario you meet somebody just I mean it's just going nowhere in which case bring a third person into the conversation and just be an avid listener I've had those odd situations but it is important that you do get into various circles so I know nothing I'm not gonna say nothing I could care less about golf but you know it seems to be the business sport so when I get in a circle of men and they're talking golf I've learned to ask some questions where they think golf is really important I could care less and I walk away from the conversation but you know what now they know my face so it's also important because, and I know Sherelle has said this before in terms of being an educator, how like there's not a lot of um, black men, maybe. So the average male you're talking to is a white male. So it's important to, to get over the nervousness of sometimes being the only one in the circle. I'm the only black girl. 
oh my goodness, I'm the only young person. I'm the only person from the financial field in this room. That Those things are going to happen as you put yourself out there, as you network, as you get into a relational business. So, Cheryl, being that you have been in these type of circles more frequently and you understand um, the, the majority color or gender of your business, when you walk in and you're the only um, female, when you're the only Black female, um, how do you how do you operate? Yeah, so like imposter syndrome is real. Let me just say that. Um, I have definitely struggled in a lot of ways. Like to your point, most educators are women or people who identify as women. Um, so I'm usually not a rarity when it comes to that. But being a black woman, yes, I've definitely had to like try to navigate in spaces where like I went to an HBCU and um, while there are lots of educators who went to HBCUs, my my journey through education has put me in rooms where I have actually um, interacted with folks who went to a lot of the Ivies you know, in a lot of like the big state schools. And so that's always been something that I've struggled with because they would connect on, um, like there's so many things that I learned um, that I feel like I should have already known, but I didn't. But just small stuff like, like I've met people who actually like were on the rowing team. I didn't even know rowing was like a thing, right? And so then they're just like, oh yeah, I rowed, you rowed too? Like it was like this thing, like, wow, everybody's rowing. Everybody did cross country, everybody, you know, I'm just like, what? I, I don't know, like, <laughs> I know like there's basketball, there's baseball, there's football, you know? And mm-hmm. that was it. So I feel like I've definitely had to, like to your point, ask questions to learn more. First of all, I feel like to seem like I was interested in learning about um, something that was important to them. And because that was a way that we definitely could draw a connection between the two of us, even though we had very different lives. Um, And so not only am I learning about that, but then I'm also like actively trying to take that information that I'm learning and applying it to other conversations. Cause I'll like, once that time has kind of run out, cause all conversations have a, a, not not all, but most conversations have like a natural fizzle, right? A fizzle out. So once that that fizzle approaches and I'm now trying to move and and meet new people or or communicate with folks who I haven't necessarily talked with yet, um, then I can bring up like, oh, I was just talking to such and such over there. We just met and we just connected over the fact that he's on the row team. And, you know, and so then it's like, oh, did you row too? Well, let me, you know, so now at this point, I've become like a connector because the new person that I'm talking to also used to row and they don't know John over there who used to row. So let me take you, Mark over here to meet John because I just met him also and so now I've like I've established myself as um really having a purpose even though I know nothing about what you're interested in and we don't have a lot in common Mm -hmm. just on a natural in a natural way I've literally just helped you build a connection because I was listening to you talk about the fact that you had a Rose scholarship and so did Mark, you know? And so now I've like served this purpose. So, so now you're interested to try to find out what are other ways that I can, because at the end of the day, people network with the, 
most people network with the um, desire to benefit from the relationship, not necessarily to right. like you, right. you know, that it's an exchange. Like we know logically that this is supposed to be an exchange, but we usually focus more on what we're going to get more than what we give. Right. So if I just show mm-hmm. you that there is something that I can give you now, you're curious to find out what else is there that I can get from, you know, Sherelle in this situation. So now I've become interesting to you. I've become relevant to you and so I've built this connection um, just because I listened to the fact that you had a rowing scholarship in college so just being like okay with first of all not allowing just having this imposter syndrome and having these like these doubts about if you should be in the room and if you're good enough to be in the room like being okay with not allowing those things to cloud your overall reason for being there because there's a reason why you are in that space at that particular time with those particular people regardless of if you can see it in that particular moment or not like there's a reason there's a purpose behind it and so just being more focused on that rather than more focused on the things that make you different in the situation so yeah yeah I like how you worded that imposter syndrome. Yeah, it's real. We could have a whole session on that one, girl. A whole podcast. And it's, you know, <laughs> hey, listeners, we might be coming back with the imposter syndrome. Um, because I think that applies to a lot of aspects of our lives. Imposter syndrome. Excuse me while I write that down. <laughs> okay, so to wrap this up, I just want to touch really quickly on the taboo subject. Cyril kind of mentioned it earlier, like how people or how one of the people she was talking to like was very specific about not touching on religion and not touching on politics. So we know in the back of our minds that we shouldn't talk about some things. Obviously, if you didn't vote for Trump, you don't want to get in front of someone with a MAGA hat on and talk about how terrible Trump is, especially if you're trying to get business from them. So I think I think common sense wise, we kind of know what subjects not to touch on. But let's hit it from the angle of, okay, the taboo subject has come up. A, you do not have to participate. But for those of us who have a point to prove, okay, (laughs) who feel they need to say something. You should just understand the effects of taboo subjects. So you've opened your mouth, you've spoken on something. Just understand that the next day at the water cooler, it can be awkward. Or the person in the group session that you that you made this comment to or that was listening, um, they can pick up a fence. They can now judge you on your viewpoints. And I'm not saying any of this is fair. I'm just saying this is this is what can happen. Um, so maybe the conservative white person in the group that wasn't really even a part of your conversation heard you say something about the mod shooting, okay, and your angle that you took from it. And now, because they have a differing opinion, they just don't really have a whole lot to say to you in the office. These things happen, people. This is why we stay away from taboo subjects. It's unfortunate that the business and personal lives cross, but you know what? Everybody can't separate their opinions. So I tend to stay away from them. But, you know, things like um, sometimes what's headlining the news, racial topics, uh, political topics, uh, 
if you are the minority in a situation, so maybe everybody's talking about how ridiculous it is that they haven't received their stimulus check and you did get yours. Maybe just, maybe just don't mention it. <laughs> um, <laughs> or, you know, you're in a situation where they're all talking about, you know, how they are struggling to teach their kids at home, being that the kids are being homeschooled and you don't have any children. So, you know, you just, you're napping all day. These are things to just stay away from. Um, but understand that the effect of it is that, you know, that opinion can be blended and people tend to remember or identify you by some of these after five interactions. So you want to kind of keep that in mind. Sheryl, um, what, what did, I mean, what are your thoughts on I that? I mean, I think I agree and disagree with some of the things that you're saying. Um, <laughs> of course, of course, she does. but mostly because like, I mean, sometimes I feel like, like, get over it. Like if I say something and it makes you uncomfortable, then it is what it is. I think, and I say that, I say that I mean what I say, let me say that. But also too, like, I'm not saying things that are going to be hurtful on purpose. Like, like how I brought up earlier, talking about sexuality could make some folks uncomfortable. I think if you're talking about it in a way where it's hurtful or harmful, you know, then like, yeah, like that's definitely something that you should take into consideration and not bring up. Um, or even like you talked about, if, if you are like a strong anti-Trump person and you are, you see somebody has MAGA everywhere, like that's something that you probably don't want to dabble in. Um, aside from whether or not you want to close the deal, like, do you want to be in this uncomfortable situation while you're at work all the time? You know, because work hostility is a workplace hostility or whatever. That's a real thing, you know, so definitely like think about how you can protect yourself so that you can maintain your job and things like that. But then there are other things like when you're talking about the stimulus check, like, okay, you didn't get your stimulus check and I got mine. So what, why do I have to sit here and be like, Oh, let me walk on eggshells and not make you feel bad. Like, I, it's not like, it's not like I controlled why I got my, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> why should I feel bad for something? Or even with the kids situation, like, okay, maybe I am at home taking naps all day and you at home homeschooling your kids. What does that have to do with why do I have to pretend like my life is different and I have to not be able to revel in and, and appreciate and enjoy the things that I have going on because you're miserable. I don't have to be miserable just because you're miserable. So if I'm bringing up the fact that I feel like I have all this rest time and I've learned a new hobby and I, you know, because we talked about this earlier in our podcast, like I was doing pedicures and masks and it was people out here who were who were like anxious you know they were around their kids longer than they had had to and you know I can be like sympathetic but that doesn't mean that I shouldn't be happy about the fact that I have time to wear a mask all day just because you have children like that is not my fault it is not my responsibility it is not something that I should harbor emotion around because it has nothing to do with me we have different lives you know so <laughs> I don't know I think there are some things that shouldn't be considered I I think that there are some things that shouldn't be considered taboo because a lot of times things become taboo just because people are always in their feelings because they hate their lives. And that is not my fault. If you have some personal issues that you need to work through, then that's on you. It is not my responsibility, At, especially if you're not my child, you're not my, I'm not even going to say my parent. If you're not my child and you're not my partner, it is definitely not my responsibility to care about whether or not you are working through your personal feelings like that or not. So I can work hard 
not to push things, you know, like flaunt stuff in front of you and to be sensitive. But that doesn't mean that I should have to completely shift how I show up in the world because you don't like yourself. That's unreasonable. So I say that to say, I think your list of taboo topics is much longer than it should be. I think that taboo <laughs> I think taboo should literally be like um harmful things you know because even you know some people are even afraid to talk about like abortion even you know because that is technically politics like some people are even afraid to talk about that but I feel like if you are around people who are sane individuals whether you have the same um beliefs or not the conversation should still be healthy. It should still be able to be healthy. So maybe that's the gauge that we should have when we're thinking about taboo topics. Like instead of trying to think about topics um, like separately and in isolation, we should be thinking about the people we're having the conversations with. If we know that we have some unstable people that we work with, then maybe those are the people we don't talk about certain things with as opposed to just writing off some stuff. That's fair. That's fair. That's a good way to clean that up. I mean, you feel how you feel. I just don't agree. But I also know that I, I also know that like, <laughs> I mean, most of my life I've been like upsetting people with my opinion. And it, it just is what it is. Like, sometimes y'all upset me with how you feel, but I can't, what am I supposed to do? Like make you feel bad or say you're a horrible person because you disagree with me? Like that's silly. That's why people have opinions that's why opinions is this is what we talked about last week about questions that's why questions exist opinions exist because people are allowed to have their own opinion <laughs> i i you know what okay <laughs> my friend does not close deals on a daily basis that's true but you know what i also think i know my strengths and my weaknesses i know that i am not made to work in that type of sector because to me if this is a great deal and it, it benefits both of us then you should get it that's why i was so bad when i worked in like i used to work at like american eagle when i was in high school and then they used to be like you're not selling enough credit cards and you're not selling enough stuff i don't care like if they want this shirt then they'll buy it if it looks cute on them then they'll buy it i mean it is you know why do i have to sit here and like convince you that this is the best move for you. Do you want it? Can you afford it? So get it. Like it's that simple to me. <laughs> but that's why I don't have some <laughs> That that's that's fair. That you know what? That is fair. In a nutshell, that is fair. First of all, get in the right sector, and then you'll be able to have the correct after five type discussions. But ultimately, it's just um, to our listeners, you want to be a well-rounded individual you at least want to and if you can't be fully well-rounded as an individual then you at least want to be able to have well-rounded conversations whether you take the role of um asking the questions being an avid listener leading the subject being the networker or you just have a real good whiskey knowledge and can focus <laughs> on the drink you're drinking either tactic your face is being seen and you're not forgotten. And that's what's important in networking and um, being in a relational business. So we're going to move right into Nicole's niche um, because finance is what I do. And it seems that the world is getting more focused on finance, whether it be have you gotten your stimulus check or not, the house bill that's 
being introduced, the new one, um, the market, which seems to just go up the worse the news is. I can't really say that I understand, even though I'm in that business. Um, so now I want to talk to my people who are actively investing um, and you are trying to figure out kind of which way to go. Again, let me preface this by saying I am not licensed to give you any specifics. So all of this is high level, general opinion, take it or leave it. Okay. All right. So I want to talk about portfolio diversification. Um, it's important that you have a good mix in your portfolio. So taking it straight basic, think about it as a stew. You don't want all vegetables. You don't want all meat. You want a good thick sauce base. You want stocks, you want bonds, you want um, exchange traded funds, you want things that are going to go up when some things are going down and some things that if they go down, um, other things are going up. So that's just the basic formula. Um, right now, so what's happening now is, I don't know if a lot of you have been watching the news or not, but um, a lot of it's nerdy, but essentially the Fed is helping the market, so to speak, by buying up a lot of these outstanding things, um, bonds and such like that, that are um, in the market. And without getting too technical, basically what they're doing is helping to keep the market flowing, helping to keep um, some of those categories flowing. OK, it's easy to see the stocks are flowing because, you know, Apple's doing this or Facebook is doing that. But what you don't see in the background is the bond market and what it means when all these people defer their mortgages and all these people uh, or the interest rates stay low. And so, you know, the 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 rates on the 10 year bond or the one year bond or this or that. A lot of people don't readily see the effects of that. So, um What's happening now is the Fed is trying to uh, keep that liquidity going, keep keep a positive vibe from that angle. Um, and some sectors like retail, um, restaurants, sometimes cruises, uh, cruise lines, they're going down. And a lot of the um, stay at home names are going up. Now, granted, this changes on a dime, but generally that's what's happening. Um, so you're kind of wondering, which angle do I take? Where do I go? Well, number one, if you have a financial professional, you should lean on them. This is what they get paid to do. Active management is where it's at right now. So you hear passive management, active management. Passive management is I put it in this algorithm, some type of index on the computer, and the computer decides based on the formula it's going to do this or that to your portfolio. Active management is like Sherelle has. I call a person and say, hey, this is doing this. Tell me what going on tell me what move to make and they're actively looking at hedging losses or maximizing profits so you want um portfolio diversification and you don't want to necessarily try to a time the market and b don't let your emotions affect what's going on so you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket just because that basket seems to be what's doing well right now you know, you are, believe it or not, old enough to ride it out. 
So unless you're like five years away from retirement, you're old enough to ride this out. We've had pandemics before. We've had crashes before. Okay. Don't let dips discourage you or make you just want to put all your eggs in one basket. So however you need to look at what you're looking at, or however you feel you need to invest, I just want to emphasize that diversification is important. And we are young enough right now that we will bounce back from all of this, despite what the market is doing and the uncertainty about the future. Thank you so much, Nicole. Can I just... You look like you want to yawn. You just I mean, look like you want to yawn. What you is important. Um, it's also, like you said, <laughs> I have the person to kind of do that because I'm not interested in it. I know it's important, but that's not my thing. But I did appreciate your um, analogy to a stew because that's so true. You don't want to have too much meat or too many vegetables or t- too thin of a sauce. So that definitely helped me. I'm going to walk away. I'm going to remember that, that I need, I need to make sure when I'm communicating to my girl, Kristen, that I'm telling her that I want to make sure I have a good stew. So I appreciate that for those of us who learn differently. Um, <laughs> okay, so now we're going to shift into Sherelle's corner. Um, where I'm sharing gems to help make us better. So we spent a significant portion of our um, podcast today talking about like networking and why it's important. And we touched on what chatter for introverts looks like, but I'd like to provide some specific strategies for those of us who are falling on that spectrum. I always tell people um, every time I take these tests, I'm always between 70 and 80% introvert. And then um I'm told I'm not. So then I have to use the words, I'm a social introvert, because then people believe me. Um, So whatever. So for those of us who are introverts and people believe you or you're not, people don't believe you, but you know you're an introvert. So maybe you're a social introvert. Here are some strategies from two different groups of folks um, that I found that I'd like to share. So I pulled an article from the Harvard Business Review, and I also pulled an article from just a blogger. Uh, Her name is Kat Rose um, with just some different ideas of how to navigate because ultimately, hopefully you guys gathered from our conversation earlier that networking is important. It's something that we cannot ignore, especially as we continue to try to navigate um, being successful in the workspace. However, we define success. We need people to do it um, just to be frank about it. So um, they have some similarities. Harvard Business Review gave us four strategies. Kat gave us seven And so um, if I'll just talk through them, so they're both talking about the importance of just planning ahead so that you can visualize what it is that you want to see happen and be true for you, things that you feel like would make you most comfortable. Because while networking is important, that doesn't mean you have to be uncomfortable with the entire experience. Okay, so really planning ahead, what are the spaces that you think you would enjoy? So she talks specifically about maybe art galleries are more of your thing because they're more private, they're more uh, secluded, you know, versus going on like a yacht party. Like yacht parties may not be where you need to start off if you feel like you are, you know, this true introvert. Um, So visualizing the environment that you feel like would make you most comfortable and then also being okay with knowing that it's okay with creating your own events. So maybe the things that you are seeing that are um, offered as networking opportunities are still not really your thing and you still feel like you may be pretty uncomfortable in the space. So create your own event. Um, TFA, so I did TFA and they're having their 30th 
um, anniversary in February. And as soon as I found out about it, I started reaching out to all my friends who did TFA and I was like, hey, let's do this. And because for me, like, I know that I need that social connection with them. I know I haven't seen some of them because we're scattered across the country. Um, But that's something that I know I would feel comfortable doing because those are people I like. That's an experience that I want to be a part of. And me going by myself was just not going to happen. So in order to get me there, I needed to make sure that I created like an atmosphere with folks that I trust to be able to be a part of that process. So just thinking about identifying these different like interest groups or situations, maybe you're hosting a board, a game night, you know, with people who you're relatively comfortable with, or you guys share an interest in sports. Nicole is a huge Saints fan. So maybe if you're other people at your job who love the Saints, like host the Saints party, you know, um, this is off topic a little bit, but Nicole, you know, they're saying that the Saints are going to win the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, that's because they're <laughs> due to win the Super Bowl. Uh, they got cheated out of the last two years. On your tangent, so we can go there for a while. Okay. <laughs> yeah, don't get me started because I'm I'm wound up over here. Okay, so then, um, <laughs> so another piece of advice when you're thinking about um, networking as an introvert is to just understand when you're at your best. So we're not all morning people. We're not all evening people. We're not all lunch people. Some of us get hangry when we're hungry. So what parts of the day are you um, your best at when you have the most energy, when you're the most um, social, when you feel like being bothered with people the most and take that into consideration when you are planning to engage with people in these ways. Um, Prep your small talk. So think about the different things. And Nicole talked about this earlier. What are those quick questions that you can ask someone else to try to draw those connections between yourself and them and to and to really appear if you're not truly interested but to really appear interested in them as a person it's always helpful to also bring a friend with you so if you are someone who's just whose anxiety is just through the roof and this is something that's just way too much for you bring a friend invite somebody to come with you and tag along maybe they're a little bit more extroverted than you Um, but definitely don't use them as a crutch and only talk to them because that defeats the purpose. Y'all could have talked together at home. So um, bring somebody who's going to encourage you to talk with other people or who may be more comfortable, you know, entering into spaces with people that they don't know so that they can bring you along and introduce you as, you know, their friend or their plus one, even if they're your plus one. If you're not able to find somebody who you can take with you, seek out that wallflower. So who's also looking like they're uncomfortable? Who's also looking like they don't want to be there and they're awkward? Go and meet that person and then start to build a connection with them. And then really think about um, as you talk with them, think about the cost benefit analysis of creating a lasting connection with them. Okay, so that may not have necessarily been the person who you intended to meet, but what would be the benefit of maintaining the relationship with them? If it's a great uh, benefit, then let that be the one person you met, you did your job, you went, you networked, you expanded your your business or whatever it is that you're trying to do. And that's a win. If you feel like it's not a huge benefit to just have only met them, then tag them. Now there's two of you who can now go and meet a third person and things like that. And so it's almost like you're just building um, like this small group of people who are continuing to try to um, benefit from this event that's happening. Um, do not. So speaking of crutches, Turn your phone on airplane mode. Do not just talk on your cell phone the entire time or text or Facebook or, or you know, do whatever to talk about how awkward you are or uncomfortable you are. Or take these really weird, creepy selfies and what do people do? What's the thing that I don't have that people always do in the moment? 
the social media platforms. I don't know why I'm asking you. Snapchat. Don't be on Snapchat. It's like, that's weird. You know, put your phone on airplane mode. Um, but also consider setting a timer on your cell phone, though. Because if you know that you're a person who can give a great hour and you're going to be a grumpy cat after that, set your hour timer so that you can do what you need to do to exit when it's time for you to leave before you start to possibly harm whatever connections you were able to make in that time. Um, so thinking about that also, calibrate your schedule. When are you making sure that you are prioritizing off time? So if you know that, so I talked earlier about how I was a high school teacher. So I, I knew that I was already drained um, by the time I even started something social. So I knew that I needed to be able to have some relaxation time or some rest time before I was going to be able to turn up. If I knew that I was going to have to anticipate being in a full blown, like Sherelle is going to have to be super social today. I was going to have to block off like an hour. Like I need y'all to give me a solid hour to take a nap before I can start to engage with y'all in this way. Otherwise, I am not going to be any good. I'm going to fall asleep at the bar. I'm just going to do all kinds of stuff that's just not necessary. So plan out ahead of time the times that you need to be able to reset as well as the time that you feel like you need in order to be able to connect with people. And then the last tip is to have your excuses ready. So if you know that you're only going to be there an hour because you know that you're going to need to do something after that to be able to recharge, then get your excuses ready ahead of time so that you're already thinking about them. You're reducing your anxiety of how to get out of these situations and you're thinking of something that's realistic so that people don't think you're just blowing them off. So what are the things that you can already say, hey, you know, I love having this conversation, but I really got to go. We're having family dinner tonight at six. So I have to be able to get out of here at 545 so that I can make it. And then that way people um, still feel like the connection that you made was important. And you're not just saying that you're bored and you don't want to be there anymore. Um, so that's it. So try to do all of those things in one way or another. Um, start slow if you need to. Do them all at the same time if you feel like you can handle it. But ultimately, I think that if we're able to master those tips and strategies, we should be able to have less anxious connections with folks when we try to go out and network nicole so um this is the time when i use my excuse of i haven't eaten yet so i'm going to <laughs> tell our listeners to uh take this and uh we'll see you guys in two weeks and manage your 24 and uh see you next time ta-ta